Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Here ends our reading. So Jesus is sharing a meal with sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees, these well-respected, good people, are rightly disturbed. Tax collectors, working for Rome, were seen as traitors to their own. And sinners, according to Jewish scholar Amy Jill Levine, were usually understood to be wealthy people who ignored the poor, those who chose themselves over the well-being of the community. Paul, self-proclaimed to be of the Pharisaic tradition, recommends not to eat with such people. As Levine remarks, they are the drug pushers, arms dealers, and colonial collaborationists of the day. They are doing harm to their own. In the parables, Jesus offers the ones searching, though their wealth is great. Jesus says that they find it incredibly important to find what was lost. For as Levine against points out, the shepherd doesn't have five sheep with one missing, but a hundred. How did the shepherd even know one was missing in the first place? One in a hundred in the field. It could have been one in a million. When I imagine Jesus responding to these grumbling yet good Pharisees, I imagine him saying, Because of you, I am a very rich man. Even so, I will search high and low for these few, lowly though they may be, for the community is not complete without them. And so Jesus breaks bread with these community members, traitors though they may be, but community members nonetheless. As if to say, 
let us choose rejoicing rather than losing our community. The life of these few is worth rejoicing even though they have done us harm. To be aware a loss has taken place, whether the ones lost understand it that way or the ones who remain do, does not always come to see these people once more as a gift, integral even. It's easier to imagine in far off places or in the land of ideals I love than in my own heart with my own hurts. And so it helps to hear along with Jesus' parables him saying, because of you, I am a rich man. Even so, I must search for these few, for without them, the community would not be whole. In another time and place, when I was first finding my part of my lost Jewish history, I learned of the great care specially trained scribes take in making sure a Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, has all of its 304,805 Hebrew letters. If even one decorative crown above a letter is missing, it is incomplete and cannot be used, but must be buried and given back to the earth. Each of us, tradition goes, is like an essential letter of the Torah. If even one is missing, it is incomplete. We must all be present in order to bring into view the gift of God. As Daniel Leibskind says, in the Jewish tradition, letters are not mere signs, but are substantial participants in the story they create. And the Contemporary Jewish Museum includes this following explanation. Each of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet is rich with significance, symbolism, and history. In the Kabbalistic tradition, the ancient Hebrew alphabet is a spiritual tool full of hidden meaning and harmony. Within this mystical aspect of Judaism, each letter has a body, a soul, a spirit. The letters reflect values and morals and can provide direction. Their multiple layers of interpretation inspire inquiry, reflection, and study. There are two annual Jewish holidays that feature a special celebration of the Torah, translated as Rejoicing the Torah, Simchat Torah, occurs during the Hebrew month of Tishrei, which is in September or October, and marks the annual reading of the Torah and its beginning. The last chapters of Deuteronomy are read, immediately followed by the first chapter of Genesis. This tradition ensures that the study of Torah never comes to an end. The Torahs are taken from the arks and carried in procession around the sanctuary with all of the congregants given the opportunity to hold the Torah and pass it along. The parading of the Torah is accompanied with joyful singing 
and dancing. It seems to me that the spirit of Jeremiah is also in there somewhere. In our reading from this morning, though devastation is inevitable, and all the earth mirroring that devastation underlines this fact, even so, it will not be the end. There will be reason for rejoicing once more. And when I sit with the parables from Luke, I don't know what the lesson is, and I don't really want to iron it out to just one. Whether it's a story about our need for completion, a psychological phenomena that shows up when we lose a sock or an earring, or about a moral teaching of the value of every life, even those that have betrayed us, or about the inability for those who have turned their backs on community to see what they have lost until someone shows them, or about the need for those remaining to see the loss of those who have left, even if they've been betrayed. But it was clearly a provocative move to eat with these sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus was clearly very determined in his action, as determined as a woman turning her house upside down for a coin. And when the discovery or reconciliation finally happens, there is such jubilation, which is just as extravagant as the searching had been. Finally, the community is whole. Perhaps the Kabbalists are onto something when they say that God's own well-being is determined by human action. Perhaps the well-being of the whole is essential to God's own well-being. As I have been living with some tiny viral bug, I have been amazed at something so small could impact the well-being of my body in such a significant way. And thank you for dealing with this voice. <clears throat> How do we practice having eyes to see what we have lost? Who is missing? Who is around the table and who is not? Certainly one way might be having conversations like the one that will happen later this morning about racism. And certainly there are others. I sometimes wonder if Jesus' parables might be like an inclusive children's book, honoring the need for all of us to have ourselves reflected back to ourselves in a story. And one of the images we sometimes carry, whether because of internalized depression or some other messaging, is that there is something wrong with us. And this story finds us and says, even if you really were the worst, even if you did something to be disdained, even still, someone would be really upset if you went missing. The community would be incomplete without you. It's fitting that today is kickoff Sunday when we listen for our joy as we think about how we want to engage in this community. What is essential to you 
what perspective, what energy, what hope do you bring with you? Because I can tell you, you each have something. And if you weren't here, we wouldn't be the same. In the few moments that follow, I invite you to reflect for yourselves on what you want to bring with you into this new season. Perhaps an intention or some part of yourself you would reclaim or a hope. What do you want to bring with you into this new season? You'll find in most of the bulletins, some of them don't have them, so there are little cards next to you or in the pew racks in front of you. Um, little yellow cards. And if you'd like to write that hope or intention or part of you to be reclaimed on that card and take it home with you, I'd invite you to do that. Um, or just participate in this in, in silence or however feels most congruent to you.